Pod Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from River City Roll, and I'm here at lane 13 with Gary Hess, who's going to take over and do the play-by-play. Okay, I am on the call here, and Awad has uh, had back-to-back spares to open here on lane 13 on a a properly mood-lighted lane. He's going to get set. Let's see. We have to do the whisper play-by-play as he gets ready. There he goes. The bowl and the spin doesn't quite take effect. Misses the head pin and leaves the head pin and a couple others standing. So he's got the one three six left to pick up, and we'll see if he can make it three spares in a row. So with the seven pins, he gets 36 for the second frame, and now we'll try to pick up the spare. The head pin and the three and the six to the right of it. Here he goes. The lefty spin, and he's going to take too much spin, and he picks up the three and the six but leaves the head pin. You know, it takes some doing to knock down the other nine and not leave, not hit the head pin. You know, that, you know, if I told you to do that, I don't think you could do it. So now we go with the open frame. He's sitting on 45, going into frame number four. Let's see if he can regroup. The spin, the roll. And he gets the head pin that time, and he picks up the 10 and gets the strike. It looked like he was going to hang the 10 pin, but at the very last second, somebody got it just to tick it over, and it fell. The delayed fall. And, you know, it's, it, you, you kind of enjoy the strike more. The explosion strike is great, but you really enjoy it when that 10 pin gets, ah, okay, it's going to go. Yeah, that felt good. That looked like one of those, is it going to be a 9? Is it going to be a 9? Oh, it's a 9.5, and, and now it's a 10. And, you know, the late spin, it looked like the head pin was going to get hung out again. You barely got it, and it, it set things rolling. Well done. Well, thanks for the play-by-play. No problem. I can do that. Notice I went to the whisper when you I, were, I like that. that. I yeah. like that. <laughs> it's a new rule on the fan. On Fridays, we roll. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for the phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. Question of the day is the same question everybody's been talking about. Here in the DMV, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, down here in Richmond as well with Michael Phillips. What do you want to see from the Commanders over the final five games of the season? Brian Mitchell said it best earlier this week when he said the final five games of the Commanders are basically an interview for every single person in the building to see if they can be a part of the future of the franchise. So what do I want to see this Sunday when Washington takes off takes on the Miami Dolphins and then a high-powered offense. I don't care if the offense goes for 45 points. If they go for 50 points. I don't care if Ron Rivera's defense, as he's calling the plays now, gives up 70, just like the Denver Broncos. But what I want to see is the offense get going again. Sam Howell doing a great job leading the league in yards, but he's also leading the league in pass attempts. Can he stop turning the ball over? That's my biggest issue as of late is now that he's at 13 interceptions for the season. He's kind of snowballed out of control over the last few games, uh, just throwing interception after interception after interception. Remember, he had three in the loss to the Giants, one last week in the loss to the Dallas Cowboys. That's four in the last uh, two games. And before the Seahawks game, he had a streak of three games in a row with an interception. So can Sam Howell play turnover-free football this Sunday. That's number one thing I want to look at for Sam Howell, right? Turnover free. Number two is 
Can he continue to throw for 300 yards? He's gone over 300 yards like seven times this season already. Can he keep that up? His high this season was 388 in the loss to the Chicago Bears. Can he get over 350 in a winning effort, though? That's what I would like to see from Sam Howell this coming Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. Number two is I want to see Eric Bieniemy improve, not as a play caller, but as a play caller with the rushing attack. I really think that the, the throw design and the play schemes for pa uh, you know play action passes, dropbacks, seven-step drops, double moves, all that I've been totally cool with. Everything Eric Bieniemy calls offensively, with that's a pass play I've liked. You know, getting the running backs involved, swing passes, screen passes. What I haven't liked is the rushing attack. And I do feel like we've got the right guy in Brian Robinson Jr. We just need to get him the ball more creative ways in the rushing attack. But let's take a listen to offense coordinator Eric Bieniemy talking about being in this same seat for six seasons and trying to improve as a play caller. Well, first of all, this is not my first time as a play caller. I've been doing this now for for six seasons. So I've been in this role. I've been in this seat. I've been in this chair. And uh, certain days are better than others. Obviously, you want every day to be a perfect day. But uh, it's been fun. Obviously, you want to be at your best. And you always want what is best for your players. And so at the end of the day, you just keep striving to be striving for perfection and hoping that you can achieve that excellence. But we all know that you, it's a work in process every single day. I think most Commanders fans would agree that Eric Bieniemy has done a good job taking over the offense coordinator role for Scott Turner. He's working with a young, uh, basically rookie quarterback in Sam Howell. <clears throat> the offense has improved more points per game, more yards per game. But as of late, they have had the yards, but not the points to follow. Just 19 in a loss to the Giants, just 10 in a loss to the Dallas Cowboys. What happened to the 30-point burger that they put up uh, week two against Denver? Or 31 in both losses to the Philadelphia Eagles? I want to see the team fly high on offense, get to the red zone, and then convert. What's gone wrong in the last two weeks? Well, let's listen to head, uh, assistant head coach Eric Bieniemy about the past tough couple weeks. Good afternoon. Hopefully everyone had a, uh, a great holiday that was safe and sound with their family. Uh, obviously, we've had a couple of rough weeks here, but the thing I like about our guys, our guys are, are working. They're getting back into it. Hell, today is situational day, and uh, we're working on our third down, third down as we prepare for these Dolphins. Got another challenge ahead of us, fired up and looking forward to the, uh, to the opportunity that's going to be presented this week. And it is an opportunity for the Commanders to actually get back into the playoff picture. Stop! I'm gonna. I'm, I'm upset at myself for what I'm going to say, but if Washington can somehow upset the Miami Dolphins, they would put themselves back into the in the hunt category here because they're all that's ahead of them is a bunch of five-win football teams. The Saints five and six. They've got a tough game. They'll probably be five and seven. The Rams five and six. The Packers five and six. And then a couple six and six teams hold the sixth seed and the seventh seed uh, in Minnesota and Seattle. And so uh, as much as I don't really want to see this team win another game this season, I'm okay with the tank, right? I want a higher draft pick, but I've said multiple times, it's just not in my DNA. It's not in my DNA. So a win against Miami, and I think I can grasp one more time. What do you think about that, Stubb? Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna bite on that. <laughs> no, I, 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 I like. Maybe we'll be on the board for in the hunt, but I don't think we'll really be in the hunt. 
Yeah, but it would just make me feel better to be on that graphic, you know. Because here's the thing is, we're not going to catch Arizona 2-10 and 10 for the worst record in the NFC or the 1-10 and 10 Carolina Panthers. So it's, like, it's not like we could get any worse uh, if we just lose games here. And if we win just one, it would make me feel positive about the offense and just put us in the, in the hunt graphic. Maybe I'm the only one that cares about that. Are you rooting for the Commanders to win or lose this weekend? You can chime in 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from River City Roll here in Scott's Edition, Richmond's top social spot with bowling, a seasonal menu, a hopping cocktail scene, a dog-friendly patio that is covered and heated. You can catch me here almost every Friday and Saturday night, uh, loving the live music, pizza, and more here at River City Roll. Uh, NFL Week 13 got started last night with a really good game between the Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys as red-hot Dak Prescott keeps Dallas rolling. That is the lead story as we go around the NFL here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL. NFL Hits on AWOD Radio. Stub. What did you think of that game last night? Very entertaining, but also very upsetting to see Dallas come back so easily and then win in the fourth quarter. Well, right now, as I want the Vikings to get in, the Seahawks taking a loss is a, is a win for me. But <laughs> um, that, was, that was a crazy game. Like, uh, like Valdez was saying, the penalties were crazy, especially in the first yeah. half. It was 257 yards of penalties that game. Yeah, I mean, it, and the game because of that went on and on and on and, and took forever. Seahawks' offense was rolling, but their defense just such a struggle to stop Dallas at all in the game. Cowboys win by the final score of 41-35 to with a couple late scores there and a two-point conversion. Let's get to the playoff picture here on NFL Hits, though, as in the AFC my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl is the top dog. That's the Baltimore Ravens at 9-3. A couple 8-3 teams behind them. Two-seed Kansas City Chiefs. Three-seed Jacksonville Jaguars. Four-seed Miami Dolphins. Five, six, and seven. The wild card spots are really up for grabs. Uh, you have a two-way tie between five and six, both in the same division there uh, in the AFC North with the Steelers and Cleveland Browns. Stubb, did you see Cleveland Browns are going to start quarterback Joe Flacco? Yes, now, they did. Joe Flacco was a Super Bowl winner with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, but has been made fun of for the last five or ten years for just kind of being a uh, an, an average quarterback that has just stuck around in this league as a backup. They always like to joke uh, that he, Joe Flacco is elite. Is he elite? Is he not elite? Some of the players in Cleveland uh, seem to believe in him. They say that it is a thing of beauty when the ball leaves Joe Flacco's hands. That was from wide receiver Amari Cooper. So we'll be interested in watching him start for the Browns this weekend. The seventh seed right now, though, Moali Cox is Indianapolis Colts, who are 6-5, and five, and they win the tiebreaker over Denver based on win percentage in conference games. They own the tiebreaker on Houston as well based on head-to-head -head win percentages. There is a four-way tie for that last spot. So 
Colts are in it right now based on the tiebreaker. The eighth seed in the AFC is the Texans, led by C.J. Stroud. The ninth seed, the Broncos have turned it around as of late. Russell Wilson has really got going, and they are 6-5 and five now on the year after winning five games in a row. Yeah, from 1-5 and five to 6-5 and five right on the outside of the playoffs looking in. And behind them is the Buffalo Bills. So uh, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see who ends up in that seventh seed in the AFC. Who would you pick right now in the AFC, Stub? I would probably lean Houston Texans. I think I'm taking the Broncos, but I think Texans would be my second pick there. Over to the NFC, and Stubb has been championing Josh Dobbs and the Minnesota Vikings. They're the sixth seed right now, but we started at the top with the Philadelphia Eagles 10-1. and I mean, it's just incredible how good they've been for two regular seasons now in a row, uh, barely ever losing a game with Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback in the last two years. I mean, it's just it's incredible to me. Uh, you look at them last year, they finished the season with just three losses, 14-3, and three, and they might end up finishing better than that record this season, 10-1. and one. Uh, They do have some difficult games, though, on their schedule before the rest of the season, including uh, the game against the San Francisco 49ers, who are your two-seed two right now, currently at 8-3, and three, so that game could def- decide home field advantage in the AFC, NFC. Three seed is the Detroit Lions. And then there's that huge drop-off because the fourth seed has to go to the division champion in the NFC South. In the NFC South, you have the, I mean, it's the worst division in football. You have the four and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers, still not out of it. You have the five and six New Orleans Saints, still not out of it. I mean, you have the Atlanta Falcons uh, still not out of it. The only team that's out of it is the 1-10 Carolina Panthers. And Stubb was telling me that mathematically they're still not eliminated yet. That's how bad <laughs> that division has been. Five seed right now, the Dallas Cowboys hotter than anyone, 9-3, and three, but it's going to be tough for them to catch the Eagles in that division. So most likely they'll be the number one wild card team. Vikings holding that sixth spot at 6-6, six and six, but tied with Seattle. Um, who's also 6-6. Six and six. On the outside looking in, in the hunt, as I like to say, the Green Bay Packers, the Rams, the Saints, and the Buccaneers, with even the Giants having a chance here uh, to possibly get into the playoffs if Tommy DeVito can keep rolling. Uh, it's just a wild situation that's going on. I mean, if, if most likely that seven seed will go to Seattle, or to Minnesota, uh, but if you couldn't choose any of those two teams, Stub, would you go Green Bay? I would probably end up going Rams because they've been there, done that before with Matthew Stafford. I think I'm taking Packers here just after watching that Thanksgiving really? game with them. Yeah, They were looking really good. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And Jordan Love has been up and down this season, as you'd expect most rookies, but they're currently on a two-game win streak, and they've won three of their last four with a very tough task this weekend against the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, still to come on the show today, I will give out my certified NFL game of the week. But uh, I think most football fans know it's an obvious one, right? Uh, Here's the hint. It's a playoff rematch. One of these teams lost their quarterback in that game, and then they lost their backup as well. And so the NFL decided we have to change the rule to help out this team as they battle off against another division winner, 425 on Fox. That's just a teaser for AWOD's certified game of the week, guaranteeing that football fans around the country will enjoy watching this game no matter if your team is in it. 
or not. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from River City Roll as there's a new rule here on 910 The Fan, AWOD Radio on Fridays. We roll and stub. It's actually awesome because I'm getting free bowling lessons from Ken, who works here at River City Roll. He is a professional bowler, stub. He Ooh. owns nearly 50 bowling balls. He told me, I got to do a better job of picking a target and aiming. Don't throw the ball. Roll the ball. Also, apparently, I've been chicken winging, which is really good when you're out to dinner, but not good when you're bowling. Huh. So uh, I finished my first 10 frames. Final score, 107. Not bad. That's not good not enough. I'm doing another 10. I'm doing another 10 before the end of the show today as I'm gonna, we broadcast live from River City Roll. I'm going to be out there tomorrow. Oh, you are? Yeah, I'm planning on heading awesome. down with some friends to, to roll. Awesome. Try to stop by and, and see me before then. I'll hook you up with a, a gift card so you oh. can uh, take care of your friends with some booze. How and about I will that? do that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline to go around the ACC is Mark Packer. What's going on, Mark? Adam, doing well, and I would say anytime it comes to bowling, uh, the inclusion of alcohol has always helped. I've always found that to be the case. <laughs> always. How, how, mu- how much do you usually bowl a year? How many times would you say? Uh, I would say less than one appearance a year. Less than one. <laughs> did, you, did you like bowling growing up? Uh, not necessarily, but uh, if it involves bourbon, I've always, again, if it, you can throw some <laughs> bourbon in there, I, I would be more inclined to go to the bowling lane. That's still normally how I work. <laughs> I love that. All right, let's get to this ACC championship game uh, between number 14, Louisville, really impressive season, and number four, Florida State, as FSU will now have to play without their quarterback, Jordan Travis. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Again, there's all kinds of rumors, even with Tate Rodemaker, about his condition after the Florida game last week. We'll see what happens. But, you know, keep in mind, uh, they didn't see each other this year during the regular season, but they did play last year in Louisville. And ironically, Jordan Travis got injured in that game, and it was Tate Rodemaker who came in off the bench in the second (laughs) quarter to lead Florida State to a a 35-31 win. So, it is kind of bizarre that we've kind of come full circle, but this time, obviously, the stakes are a lot higher. Florida State playing not only their first ACC title since 2014, but obviously a college football playoff bid. And I think really for Louisville, I think they're going to go to the Orange Bowl whether they win or lose. So they're coming off a really disappointing, heartbreaking loss last week to the Art Travel Kentucky, uh, a game that I thought they were going to win going into it. So you kind of wonder about their mojo a little bit. But this week you're playing for a title. Louisville's never been in the ACC championship game trying to win their first conference title in terms of a championship game. So, again, weather could be an issue tomorrow. The weather folks are talking about uh, heavy rains throughout the course of the afternoon and into the evening and how that affects the game. We'll just have to wait and see. Of course, we're broadcasting live here in Richmond, home of the Hokies and UVA. And the consensus I've gotten uh, speaking with ACC fans here is that we have to root for Florida State because it is important for the ACC to get a team in the college football playoffs. Do you agree? Well, I think that if, you, if you're if you wearing an ACC uh, hat, I mean, you know, well, for what I do for a living working for the ACC network, it would be all of our best interest to see a team uh, in the college football playoff for the first time in the last couple of years. But 
No, quite frankly, I think Louisville has more than a puncher's chance tomorrow night. I really do. And if they can play a clean game, which has really kind of been their bugaboo when they lose, it's normally because they get loose with the football like they did last week. But if Jack Plummer, uh, who's incredibly accurate, going up against a great Florida State secondary, I think, again, both teams can run the football. They've both been able to play terrific D in terms of putting pressure on the quarterback. I think Louisville's got a shot tomorrow night. I really do. But as far as the best interest of the Atlantic Coast Conference, I think it would be great to have uh, Florida State in the college football playoff. I don't think there's anybody going to argue against that if you're an ACC fan. Mark Packer with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from the ACC Network. And follow him on social media, at Mark Packer. Check him out, ACCPM. Uh, let me ask you this, because uh, there has been a lot of fun on social media this past week with Hokies fans saying, this isn't a, even a rivalry anymore between UVA and Virginia Tech, as the Hokies have won 19 of the last 20. How would you respond to that? Uh, I think those, those numbers are pretty strong. I mean, I thought that game would be at least somewhat competitive in Charlottesville, but uh, if you look up the word ownership in a dictionary, you may just see Virginia Tech football beside Oahu. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to argue with what Virginia Tech has done to Virginia on the gridiron. And given the fact you got two coaches that were seeing each other for the first time in that game, uh, I thought Virginia Tech was really impressive. And they were really kind of hard to figure, right? I mean, the last month, you know, I, I thought they'd be competitive at Louisville. They were terrible. I thought they'd go to Boston College and get spanked by a red-hot BC team, and they put up uh, 600 total yards. Uh, you know, so they've kind of had the yo-yo thing going on, but they really had their A game against Virginia, and they seem to always have it. So that would be something for Tony Elliott and his guys to have to figure out because there's no doubt when it comes to football, uh, Virginia Tech has had Virginia's number. There's no doubt. Yeah, and I'm wondering how you would grade year two of the Pry era for the Hokies. I mean, finished five and three in the conference. It's impressive. Bowl eligible now with the win over UVA, finishing six and six, and they've got their quarterback moving forward now with Kyron Drones. Yeah, you know, we saw them when we do our camp tours in August. I, I uh, had the uh, honor to be back in Blacksburg. I'm married to a Hokie, so I get the chance to go up there a number <laughs> of times. But uh, I thought that they could get to six wins. Uh, to me. Uh, just watching their practice in August, and I was there the year before on the camp tour, uh, and when I saw Coach Pry's first team practice, I'm like, man, they just don't have enough dudes. And sure enough, they go home and only win three games. They were much more athletic in practice, at least to the eye test, uh, in August. I thought they could get to six. I thought that was really the right number for them. Uh, I've not been right about a lot of stuff with ACC football, but I was right about Virginia Tech. So, I think they're on course. I can't, you know, to me, the key for both Virginia Tech and Virginia is to be able to recruit. And there's enough players in the great Commonwealth of Virginia that if you keep some of those big-time players at home, you got a chance. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how actually both of those programs do from a recruiting perspective. But I think Coach Pry's on the right track. Uh, I'm not so concerned about the 5-3 and three mark in, in conference play because I think a lot of times it depends on who you play. Uh, but yeah. the good news is they're heading in the right direction. And so from three wins to six is certainly improvement. I think just the eye test alone, they are much more athletic. I thought they found some pieces on the defensive side, too. So I think if you're a Virginia Tech fan, and if you look at the 24 schedule, not that you have any idea what a roster is going to look like in this day and age of the transfer portal and everything else, I think it's a really manageable 24 schedule, too. So I think, again, if you're going to do the old Dabo thing and say, hey, is it Virginia Tech a stock? I would buy the Hokies. I really would. I think they're heading in the right direction. 
Going around the ACC with Mark Packer here with us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio. Let's talk a little ACC hoops here, college basketball. Uh, who has been the most impressive team that you've seen so far this season? That's a good question because that's exactly what I asked on the show yesterday at 4 o'clock when we got cranked up. Um, I don't know the answer to that, and I wish I could give you one. But, you know, we just got done with this ACC-SEC challenge. Uh, both the men and women ended up 7-7. But quite frankly, I, I, as an ACC guy, I kind of feel like they both lost because the men were up 7-4 to and the SEC won the last three. And last night, the women were up 7-1. to lost the last six games, so they both of those ended up in the draw. But as far as the men go, uh, you know, Duke and Miami were the highest-ranked teams. They both got beat. Duke on the road at Arkansas. Miami got smoked at Kentucky. Uh, Virginia suffocated A&M with their great defense, which you expect, especially at home. They're always good. Uh, I thought North Carolina maybe played their best 20 minutes of basketball I've seen in a long, long time. And maybe the sleeper team is Clemson. I mean, they probably had the most impressive win in the ACC-SEC Challenge going on the road and winning at number 23, Alabama. The Tide had won 19 consecutive games at home. And the Tigers are big and they're strong and they've got guards. So I think it's kind of a free-for-all. I think those are the five best teams in the league. Put them in whatever order you want as we roll into December. But I think North Carolina, Clemson, Virginia, Duke, and Miami are the five best teams in the league. Yeah, and UVA, the Cavs now 6-1. and one on the year and bounced back really after the disappointing defeat to Wisconsin with the two-point win over West Virginia. And then, like you said, looked really good defensively against Texas A&M. What do you think yeah. is the missing link right now for UVA? A lot of the fan base has told me they're, they're kind of weak down low. Yeah, and I think that's a problem for Miami and Duke as well, which makes it kind of interesting when you kind of, how's this thing going to play out? Uh, like any other team, you know, if you make shots, you got a chance to win. And when Virginia makes shots, uh, given how consistent they play defensively, they're going to win a bunch of games. But I think they can be had inside. And, I, and right now I'd say the same thing about Miami and Duke. So, you know, you can't all of a sudden after a, a, you know, a month into the season, as my dog goes nuts, a month into the season decide, hey, you know what, let me just go get a couple six eleven guys and we're good to go. So Tony will have to figure something out from that perspective. And again, they do such a great job switching a great defensive team. I still think they're going to win a bunch of games, but that is going to be an issue for not only Virginia, but a couple of the uh, big-time programs here in the league. Mark, always appreciate you taking the time. Uh, lastly, are we going to see any big upsets in college football championship week? Boy, I tell you what, it has been uh, fascinating to just kind of watch with the national talking heads. There's been a lot of SEC pom-pom waving in the uh, ESPN yeah. airwaves, <laughs> uh, almost to the point where I'm wondering what in the world they know something that I don't know. I mean, We've been doing this college football playoff thing now for 10 years. The thing I've always known is if you're a Power 5 team and you go undefeated, you're in. Uh, yeah. And all this talk about Florida State and Alabama, I mean, hey, Bama's eighth. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, if Texas wins the Big 12, you mean Alabama, I don't care if they beat Georgia or not, that's going to flip-flop over Texas. The last time I remember, Texas went down to Tuscaloosa and beat them by double digits. That's got to mean something. So, uh, you know, we really haven't had a weekend in college football this year where we've had chaos. So maybe it waits to the very last second for everything to go nuts. We'll find out tonight. Should be a great game in the Pac-12. Ironically, last time we'll ever have the Pac-12. But the Oregon-Washington tonight will kind of set the scene, I think, for all weekend long. But I'm just glad we finally got to the championship game, and hopefully by uh, Sunday the committee figures out the four best teams and let's let it rip and see where it goes.
Yeah, no, absolutely. Great stuff. I can't wait till we get to 12 teams next year. Mark, thanks so yeah. much. I appreciate it. You got it, Adam. Again, happy holidays to everybody and appreciate it, man. Take care of yourself. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. Ram Nation, the game tonight is sold out. So if you're not attending, we encourage everybody to tune in right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM with the extended pregame show. I'll be broadcasting live from the Commonwealth Room uh, for a good one tonight. VCU against Norfolk State. And, uh, of course, we're here at River City Roll on Fridays We Roll. And, and Stubb, I'll tell you, it is so much fun to be rolling here during the commercial breaks. And the fact that I've got a professional bowler here giving me advice. I mean, I, I am, I'm back, man. I just got a spare uh, to start round two here. He told me, stand 10, roll up to 10. And uh, I'm not I'm not hooking it as much. I mean, I'm trying to really do all of the things that a pro bowler does instead of just kind of walking up there and, you know, spinning it or hooking it as much as I can. No more no more chicken legs? Is that what he called them? <laughs> no, more, no more chicken wing. Chicken no wings. No more chicken wing. Yeah, no. We'll save that for the Korean barbecue wings that I usually get here at River City Roll. But it is December 1st, and that is my favorite month of the year, Stubb. You know I'm a big uh, Christmas fan, and, of course, I love the holidays, and it is the official start of winter in my mind here, December 1st. And did you see that Richmond's going to get some snow this winter? Last year, Are we? we basically saw zero snow. Oh, that is very exciting. Yeah. So Richmond, according to our friends at NBC12, should see between 6 to 14 inches of snow this weekend, including one storm that could be as much, uh, one storm that could be as much as 5 inches. Um, and so uh, the accu- the accumulation of the events here are most likely to hit sometime around the end of December to middle of January. So how oh, cool Christmas. would that be if we're looking at a white Christmas here oh, in Richmond? We haven't had that in forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, last like year, I- I'm pretty sure it was like 85 degrees on Christmas. Yeah. Like, it was sunny. <laughs> it's been so long. I mean, luckily, I've last four years, I've been living on a mountain, so I've seen a fair share of snow up in Blacksburg, but mm-hmm. I kind of was... Thought I was going to miss it a lot more here in Richmond. So I am stoked for that. I know. And they're already ready um, to take care of the streets. The Department of Public Works says they've recently conducted training for staff and completed the practice of its runs um, for all the snow routes. There's 60 different snow routes uh, with different crews, and they've got everyone familiar with them. So they're going to pour 6,000 tons of salt over the next two months here in Richmond to make sure that the roads are safe. Yeah, because uh, you can work from home, but I can't. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, and, and I just love I, I love when it gets cold out, though. And, and I hate when it's cold and it doesn't snow, though, right? Like yeah, that, it's like, what's I just the love, point? Right, like give me some, give me some per- precipitation. So that's what I'm hoping for over the next few weeks. But, um, of course, yesterday a listener hit us up and he said, Hey, Water, her, you've been complaining about not getting turkey on Thanksgiving. That's correct. I spent Thanksgiving – in Disney for the ESPN Events Invitational at the Wide World of Sports Arena, and they served succotash 
chicken and vegan pork. And uh, it was good. The macaroni they had was really good. It had, you know, the little breadcrumbs on the top. But I didn't get my turkey, uh, turkey or stuffing. And so I put it out there. I said, if there's any listeners in Richmond here, members of the AWOD Army, that have leftovers... I am willing to take them. I'll drive to your house and pick up your six-day-old stuffing. I just want some turkey and stuffing to feel like I really had my Thanksgiving meal, even though I didn't get to enjoy Thanksgiving with my family and friends this year. And so a listener hit me up. He said, Awad, you need to go try the turkey bowl from Wawa. And I immediately said, well, I I don't know if I trust the turkey bowl from Wawa, so let me send in um, some backup first. Might need a little backup at Wawa. And so I sent Stubb. So why yes, don't we indeed. do a little impromptu dude food here on The Fan? Dude! Food! We're not responsible for the content of this program. Or anything we say when we're really hungry. Where's my food? Dude, where's my food? The most delicious food you've ever tasted. Yes! How can he piss off a flip-flop? <laughs> he loves food. Dude! Food! You sent me All on right, a stop, mission, so I'm, I, I sent you on a mission. I'm looking at the photo right now. All right, so you paid, and I, I covered the pay, you right? Did. I covered the cover amount the for the bowl. And enough for did it also to get give you enough for a drink? Yep. Yeah, I, I, got, nice. I grabbed a spray cranberry to wash it all down. And so, okay. All right. I leave the station here around 4. I drive on over to Wawa, and I go to the little self-checkout thing. Takes me a second to find it because they're confusing menus. And <laughs> here's where I went wrong. There might have been some user error on my part for this meal because it oh, asked no. what sauce I would like with the meal. And the yeah. options were, I think, ranch and honey mustard. And I went, ah, sure. I'll take a cup of honey mustard on the side. Maybe the turkey won't be great. I can do some dipping. Place okay. the order. I watch the guy make my bowl. And he takes that yellow bottle and drizzles it all over the bowl. So what... On on, ev- on the on turkey, everything. on the stuffing, on the, on turkey, the mashed on the potatoes, stuffing, on, on the mashed everything. potatoes. I don't know who, wow. who okay. would want honey mustard on their mashed potatoes. Not me. <laughs> Not not I me. I guess people that I <laughs> people that get their Thanksgiving food from Wawa. Man. I I didn't <laughs> want that, and and so but I went home, I braved it, mm-hmm. I ate the whole thing. It was pretty good. I'm watching the video of you putting your fork in, <laughs> in here. It is kind of thick. It, it like was, that's a thick turkey yeah, bowl. It it was filling, um, and I I think the honey mustard did bring it down to the point that I think if you got it without the honey mustard, it would fill a need. It was so good what enough. is your official rating? Uh, good enough? Good <laughs> enough. <laughs> that is my official rating. The stuffing is probably not what you're looking for. Uh, okay. Everything else, I think they yeah, just had good like, gravy. That's the thing is I want, I want, I don't want just a, a Thanksgiving meal to say I got one. I want it to be really good quality. Yeah. It, so you're saying I should not make the move today or I should make the move? I. It's $9. That's a lot. The gravy carries the whole meal. I think they had a really good gravy in there. Again, Mine was tainted by the the drizzling of honey mustard to make something that no one should eat, but yeah, I that's a that's it's a good enough. It. That's it's that's enough. the official vote. Yeah, good enough, and we'll think about it. All right, <laughs> I'll think about it over the next few days if I'm still def- desperate for a turkey or stuffing. Uh, any other dude food news you wanted to bring up here, uh, real let quick, stuff? Yeah, I, I I know that there wasn't anything local uh, going on when I looked recently. Uh, but, you know, we always like to check on dude food here. If there's any th- new restaurants or bars that are opening up. I know around me and Scott's Edition, 
uh, the the spot that I loved, um, Long Oven, is closing down. They're changing that cool. to a new concept. I went over to Wood and Iron last night. Uh, newsflash, the wings still hit at Wood I Iron. Love their wood food and is iron. just so good. It's ridiculous. Uh, the, the, right? I mean, the uh, I was talking with a friend. We were trying to decide the top three appetizers in Scott's edition. All right? Okay. Only apps choose. And, and number one, we said um, the queso at Ensuboca. Queso at Ensuboca, top-notch, has to be in the top three. Number two, the Philly cheesesteak rolls uh, from um, Wood Iron. And then number three, the meatballs at Taza. Those are my top three appies in Scott's edition. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Or you can always tweet us at 910thefan or at AWOD Radio. If it's a good tweet, we'll read it on air. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back.